We're in the book of Proverbs tonight, and we're continuing our series on work-related problems, and tonight we'll look at laziness. Proverbs 6, verse 6 to 11. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this evening we pause again to call upon you, the great God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We call to you, Lord Jesus, the eternal God, equal to the Father. And we call to you, Holy Spirit, equal to the Father and the Son, worthy of our worship, worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. We praise you, triune God, and ask that you would help us to live the Christian life in a crooked and twisted world, to shine our lights as stars, and that even by the way we do our work, that Jesus Christ will be glorified and we may have the opportunity to testify and to bear witness of the gospel of Jesus and the message of salvation. Amen. So during my preparation for this sermon, I read one website called The South African and it says that South Africans are some of the hardest workers in the world and work of the country's in the whole world, they're at least in the top seven for most working hours per week. This same website, the South African, another article said South Africans are some of the laziest people in the world. So which one is right? Are we the hardest workers or the laziest people? I'm not sure which one is right, but I can tell you two things. The Bible does speak of lazy cultures, so you can have a whole culture where people are lazy in Titus 1 verse 12. And then it's a fact that many South Africans are lazy, very lazy. So for us as Christians, we need to be careful that we're not influenced by the world in this regard or any other regard. As Paul says, don't, don't be conformed to this world. So let's read Proverbs 6 to see what we should know and should do about the matter and the issue of laziness. Proverbs 6 verse 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an old man. So number one, we're going to look at the sluggard and the ant, verse 6 to 8. So Solomon is warning his son, according to verse 1, my son, chapter 5, verse 1, my son, chapter 7, verse 1, my son, <laughs> right throughout the book, my son, my son, warning him against laziness. Because he knows how young people are tempted to laziness and are lazy, well, very, very easily they, they fall into the trap of laziness. Don't want to make up my bed, don't want to clean my room, don't want to do my homework, don't want to do my schoolwork, assignments. I'd rather just sit in front of the TV all Saturday or be on the iPad or play games or just sleep till 11 o'clock in the morning. And so what Solomon does is he wants to help the son to learn and be a hard worker so that he doesn't grow up and become a lazy adult. 
So now he tells him the parable of the sluggard and the ant. Now remember, Solomon has got a very great knowledge, very great general knowledge, uh, according to 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29 to 34, especially, I think it's verse 33, where it says that he even knew a lot about nature, about creation, about animals and birds and fish and reptiles. So obviously he would know quite a bit about these harvester ants in Israel. So, so he says in verse 6, You sluggard, I want you to go to the ant. You, you must learn wisdom. Consider her ways and be wise. Learn wisdom. Learn how to work hard by just watching this tiny creature called the ant. So go outside. Get up out of your bed. Go outside. Find an ant. Just watch it closely. Observe it. Follow it. Study it. And ants work hard without having any chief officer or ruler, verse 7. Yes, yes, ants have a queen, but she's not in command. She doesn't tell them, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. She just lays eggs. So every ant is for himself. Every ant works for the colony, but every ant goes his own way and looks for food. And then it, it excretes a kind of chemical. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this in English. In Afrikaans you say pheromone, pheromone probably. So they excrete this chemical as they leave the nest. And that will help them to find the way back to the nest. So they excrete the chemical, and then when they find food, they return to the nest, to the colony, and then they again excrete this pheromone. So now there's a double track of pheromone, and that helps the other ants to see, oh, here's a very strong scent of pheromone, stronger than the others that didn't return excreting that. If they don't find food, they just return and don't excrete the chemical again. So now they find the strongest scent, they follow that, and it's not very long, and you'll see the ants, they found the food. So the point Solomon is trying to make here is ants work very hard without having a commander-in-chief telling them what to do. In other words, they're self-disciplined. So he's saying, sluggard, learn from the ant. Just look at these ants. Look how they gather in summer and in, and in autumn. How they, they store up food and they put a, take enough food to the nest so that there'll be food for the winter and even for the springtime when, when the felt and nature hasn't quite recovered after the winter. Verse 8, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. So the lesson is the sluggard must work. And the sluggard must even put something away for the day when he won't be able to work, when it will be locked down and you don't have a job to do and you can't earn money. What about the day when there's nothing? Chapter 30, verse 25. The ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in summer. So that's the lesson. Now, I'm not saying don't trust the Lord. Oh, oh, gather up in barns. You mustn't trust God. You need, he's not going to care for you in future. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is people who are wise and people who are hardworking are people who will also plan for the future. Proverbs even teaches that in chapter 13, for instance, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. 
And then in chapter 31, you see the Proverbs 31 woman. She's not afraid of winter. She prepares for winter. She laughs at the time to come because she knows I've stored up. But the, the slugger doesn't think that far. There's a problem with this person's character. And I went through the whole of Proverbs and looked for all the references to the word sluggard or laziness and so on. There are 14 references to a sluggard in the Proverbs. And what Solomon's trying to teach you about this person, if I can take the different reference, a sluggard is a person who has no self-discipline, verse 7 and 8, or very, very bad self-discipline. He loves sleep, verse 9 and 10, and then many other verses in Proverbs. He's always hungry. He wants food, verse 19 to 15, but he doesn't want to work to get food. He'd rather that other people feed him. Chapter 19, verse 24. I'm going to maybe just flip to some of these references. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He won't even bring it back to his own mouth. He wants someone else to feed him. And then he frustrates his boss at work if he has a job. Because he does poor quality work, really does a bad job. The work is never done. It's never complete. It's always incomplete. Chapter 10, verse 4. A slack hand causes poverty. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. 10, verse 26. Like vinegar to teeth, to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the slugger to those who send him. So it's really a frustration to his boss. And 12, verse 27. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game. In other words, yes, he might hunt for it and kill it, but I don't want to... He's just slothful. He never finishes a job. Even when you get to his house, all these things, they're they half done. They're half done. You look at his uh, work in the workplace. Half done, half done. doesn't finish stuff. And then even you look at his, just his general appearance, the way he looks... You look at his house, you look at his room, you look at his marriage or his family or his spiritual life. It's like an overgrown garden, chapter 24, verse 30 to 31. It reminds me of a man that I went to see once. Um, he wanted to see a pastor, and I don't, didn't know the guy from a bar of soap. But I went to his house, and when I got to his house, it's, it's dirty, it's dust everywhere. And even his, his lounge suite, it's not even put it, set in an order. It's really just all the great mess, his yard. See this broken car and a broken car. Or I helped a guy move once and when I helped him move on the floor in his room there were old tissues and dirty coffee mugs and dirty plates and a fork under his bed and used tissues under his bed and apple cores and old food and what a mess. Papers lying everywhere. And so that's the kind of person he'll never get promoted at work. He's the guy who's going to end up doing forced labor because he's so lazy. Chapter 12, verse 24. The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. And this is the person he wants more. He wants the promotion, but he simply will not work for it. 13, verse 4. The soul of the, cravet, uh, of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. And then 21, verse 25. <coughs> the desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hand ref hands refuse to labor. And, and then he's really shocked when he's poor. He's really shocked when he hasn't got food and when he hasn't got money. And he's shocked when no one wants to employ him. He doesn't understand it. But he brought it on himself. Chapter 20, verse 4. 
The slugger does not plow in autumn. He will seek at harvest and have nothing. I'm shocked. Why didn't I have anything? Well, you, you slept the whole autumn. How do you help someone like this? It doesn't help you, you tell someone, you better get yourself into gear here. You better get yourself going here. That doesn't help you say to the person. This, this slugger, this lazy person, must first realize his problem is spiritual. So it's his own bad character that makes life painful. And his life is difficult. It's like a path of thorns and thistles. He's bringing it on himself. 15 verse 19. The way of the slug is like a hedge of thorns. And then chapter 24 the same. You see his garden overgrown with weeds and thorns. And his whole life is like that. And he's not an upright person. He's a very scaly person, a very dishonest person. Lazy people are dishonest people. 15 verse 19. The way of the slug is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright, implying the slug is not upright. So in what sense are they dishonest? They've always got excuses for why they're lazy. And some of these excuses are ridiculous. If it wasn't sad, you would have laughed at their excuse. Like in Proverbs 22, 13 and 26 verse 13, where it says, I can't go to work, I can't go to work. The sluggard says, there's a lion in the street. What a fantastic excuse. And it's so sad. It's so sad. And the sad part is, he lies so often. He tells so many lies that in the end he starts believing himself, thinking there's really a lion in the streets, I can't go to work, can't go and look for a job. And he'd rather tell that lie than people, have people believe that he's actually lazy and he's doing nothing. And then you, you'll see that kind of person. You give them ideas for work. You'll tell them, what about this? What about this? What about trying to do this to get an income? What about this? Here's an advert. Here's a job application. Why not apply for this? And they've got a hundred excuses for why it will not work. They, they're smarter than seven wise people. Seven men who are wise. 26 verse 16. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. And the truth is, he doesn't want to work. That's the truth. And he, he doesn't realize he's destroying his own life. He's, he's busy with a self-destructive habit. It's going to destroy him. It's going to ruin him. How does it happen? And that leads me to the next point. Number two. The sluggard's bed and his wallet. Or the sluggard's bed and his purse. Verse 9 to 11. So Derek Kidner, a commentator on the book of Proverbs, he summarizes this teaching here uh, of the sluggard in the book of Proverbs. He summarizes it as follows. He says, the sluggard's an ordinary person who's made too many excuses, he's let too many chances go by, and he's procrastinated too many times. All these things were imperceptible and as pleasant as falling asleep. So it's very clear that the sluggard has ignored verse 6 to 8. Solomon told him, get up, follow the ant and learn. But the sluggard didn't want to. So verse 9, he's still lying in bed. Still lying in bed. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? Sluggard just lies in bed till the sun is hot. 
risen high in the sky and everyone else is at work and the sluggard's still sleeping and after lunch again everyone's at work and he's still lying in bed or watching TV now of course you can take an afternoon nap if you want to just refresh yourself and refresh your strength that's fine have a cat nap, have a power nap but the sluggard he is continually sleeping he even sleeps at work You've probably seen photos of South African police sleeping at work or sleeping on the job. You've seen people sleeping on the pavement, 11 in the morning. You've seen municipal workers sleeping on the green lawns in the middle of the day. I remember when I was in high school, I had a couple of jobs, and one of the jobs, I had to answer the phone at a heavy-duty spares shop for truck parts. And... Uh, uh, maybe the guy's going to listen to the sermon, but I remember at the end, was a, did I work for two weeks or three weeks, can't remember, and the end of the two or three weeks, there was my envelope with my check, my pay for the three weeks' work, and on the envelope was written, Ivor the Sleeper Jeffries, because I used to just lie in my arms at sleep and sleep when the phone didn't ring, because I had to answer this phone, and it didn't ring very often which is not an excuse for sleeping at work, by the way. And then another job I had uh, just after finishing school, before I went to seminary, at the Wimpy, a restaurant. And I worked at the till, and business was quiet, and I was lying on the counter with arms folded, lying in my arms, sleeping, lying on my arms. And the boss came in, and he was very angry. And he said, don't let me catch you sleeping again. And I said, yes, sir. That's what the sluggard is like. He sleeps in the day. Why does he sleep in the day? Probably because he's having a party at night. Drinking at night, sexual immorality at night, stealing at night. Or maybe he just loves sleep so much, he sleeps in the day and in the night. You can understand if babies sleep in the day. You can understand if... If toddlers have an afternoon two-hour nap, you can understand if old people sleep in the afternoon because they don't sleep well at night. You can understand if someone does night shift and he sleeps in the day. You can understand if someone is very ill and he sleeps in the day and maybe a couple of other reasons you can give for people sleeping in the day. But those are the exception. For the rest of us, we work in the day, we sleep in the night. So we shouldn't be lazy and get up after the hours and hours and hours after the sun has risen. And I think that's, a, that's especially a warning to people who do homeschooling. It's a warning to housewives, especially if you don't have small children. Your children are perhaps older or they've left the home. That's a warning to people who work from home during lockdown or permanently work from home. Don't be like the sluggard. You stay in your pajamas. Discipline yourself. Get up, get dressed, and work. Don't be like the sluggard. You know, if someone says to the sluggard, come on, you should get up for work. What does he say? Mm, I just want to sleep a little more. I just want to lie in a little more, please. Verse 10, a little sleep, a little slumber. 
Same in chapter 24, verse 33. And then 20 minutes later, come on, you're going to be late for work. 45 minutes later, you're late for work. And you just keep on doing it. And in the end, if it continues that way, you're just tired of waking them up and you leave them. And you don't wake them up in the morning. And eventually they lose their jobs. And who do they blame? Themselves. They blame you. Why didn't you wake me up? <laughs> but it's their own fault. A little sleep, a little sleep, a little sleep, a little sleep becomes a lot of sleep. And so it's better for us. Get up immediately. Put your feet out of bed. Your body will follow. Pick up your head. Your body will follow. Take a shower. Go for a jog. Wash your face. Do whatever you must to wake up. And then, of course, uh, well, you, you'll need to get into bed in time at night. Otherwise, it won't help much. You wash your face. You'll just get back into bed. You're too tired. So it's important for you to know your own body. And you know how much sleep do you need. Normally seven hours of sleep, eight hours of sleep. That's enough. But don't idolize sleep. Don't make an idol of sleep. Don't worship sleep. Like the sluggard and he sleeps all day. Don't say, I just want to, just a little folding of the hands to rest. I can almost see him. He's got a big fat tummy. And he puts his, puts his hands folded on his tummy while sleeping in the sofa. Or the lazy boy. Or lying on the bed with his hands folded on his chest, sleeping. Or his hands right, right under his ear, sleeping. And don't be like some people. They're not lazy in all areas, but in some areas. They'd rather take the easy jobs, just the jobs that are fun to do, but they fold their hands, a little folding of their hands. They fold their hands. When it comes to harder, harder tasks, they procrastinate and procrastinate. And they just push it off and push it off and push it off. Don't want to do that. Don't want to do that. And people have to ask them, Constantly, when, when are you going to do that? When are you going to finish that job? Well, that's also just a, another form of laziness. And if you fold your hands, well, then your hands are going to remain empty. No food in those hands, no money in those hands because they folded. Verse 11, poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like, want like an old man. And then poverty comes as unexpectedly as, a, as an opportunist, as someone who clones your bank card. Someone who scans it and steals your money and will come like a robber who just parks behind you when you turn into your driveway and they hijack you and take your car. And you know how it works. We always say, yeah, if a robber comes, when a robber comes, I'll just beat him up. I'll do this and that and I'll shout and I'll, I'll bite him. And, and then, uh, you know, that happens so quickly you don't have time. It's such a shock when they come. And they come when you don't expect it, when you expect it least when you least expect it. And that's exactly how it is with a sluggard. So it was still, still 30 days ago. 30 days ago they were lying on the sofa, watching TV, a beer in their hand, and a fridge full of food. Now it's all gone! And you'd think that would drive them to look for a job. Well, well, it doesn't. It doesn't. 
They would rather stand begging at the robot with a little sign around their neck, things that aren't even true. You'll see something like, please help, no job, three kids to feed, God bless. I, I, I know a guy who lived on the street for many years. And I asked him once, I said to him, and then I mentioned his name, and I said, tell me, the people you met on the street in all these years, how many of them are there just because they are really down and out, they're poor? He said, not one. They're all there because of drink and drugs, including myself. So I'm not trying to tell you that all lazy people will become poor. Some people are lazy because they're rich. They think, my parents are rich. Well, I've inherited a lot of money. I don't have to work. And they're lazy. And I'm not saying that all poor people are lazy. I'm simply saying that that's, according to Solomon, that's the general rule. That's how it normally works. If you're lazy, you become poor. So what's the solution to laziness? Well, first of all, you need to acknowledge that it's sin. It's sin. God has created us in his image. And so laziness is a very poor reflection of God who works hard. And then it's also a very poor following of Jesus Christ. Jesus who worked hard. Late into the evening, early in the morning he was up praying, preaching around, working so hard he was sometimes exhausted. And it's... And just a blatant disobedience. You are ignoring God's creation ordinance and the command given at creation, where God said to Adam, work the earth. And God said, subdue the earth to Adam and Eve. You are ignoring God's command, his law, where he says, six days you shall work. You are ignoring the New Testament, where it says, if you will not work, you will not eat. Labor with your own hands. Work hard. Paul worked day and night. Find a job. So to be lazy is not merely a bad habit. It's sin and it deserves hell like any other sin. Matthew 25 speaks of a wicked and slothful servant. A lazy servant. And he's thrown into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Or gnashing of teeth and weeping. And that's why scripture is so serious. And the Bible is so serious in 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 60 15. That says that if someone calls himself a Christian and he's lazy we should avoid the person. We should mark that person, have no fellowship with him and eventually remove the person from the church. And don't help him with money, don't help him with food. If you will not work, you will not eat. All right, now, are you guilty of laziness? In general, perhaps, or maybe only in some areas of your life? Then you need to ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you. To forgive you and to save you from laziness. Not only from inactivity, but to save you from this whole attitude of laziness, of sloth. 
And believe that, that the grace of Jesus Christ, the grace of God through Christ on the cross, and the power of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Spirit is sufficient to save you from laziness. To help you to have self-control. And to get up and discipline yourself and work. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And the grace of God appeared to help us to say no to ungodliness. And yes to righteous living. And to be zealous, to be burning, to be passionate for hard work for the glory of God and obedience to God. And then ask the Lord's help. Pray to Him. and Say, Lord, help me to do my work as if for the Lord. I'm not working for myself, not working for the boss, I'm not work working for the company, I'm not working for anyone else. Work as if for the Lord and not for men. Colossians 3.23 And then also tell yourself, it is God's time. It's not your own time that you're stealing. You are stealing God's time. Not your employers. You are stealing God's time. God has given you time. Tell yourself God has given you only one chance. Only one chance in this life. Only one life on earth. So redeem the time. Use the time well. And if you don't do it, then you are tempting Satan to tempt you. You are giving the devil an opportunity to tempt you, and he will tempt you, and he will be successful. And you'll keep yourself busy with sin. Redeem the time, for the days are evil. It's one of the greatest dangers of laziness. It so easily leads to other sins. For example, in 2 Samuel 11, David was supposed to be in the battle on the battlefield. That's the time when kings go to battle in the spring, but he wasn't. He was sleeping on his couch in the middle of the day and he committed adultery because he was tempted because if you're idle Satan will find you something to do laziness leads for instance to gossip and to slander and to meddling in other people's business 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11 says mind your own business and do your work 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 11 says if people don't mind their own business, if people aren't busy at work, then they're busy bodies. They go from house to house and they gossip. 1 Timothy 5 verse 13 the same. Laziness leads to it that you start neglecting helping other people. You're not helping others as you should. You're not using your talents God gave you because you're sleeping and you're lazy. You like that wicked servant in Matthew 25. He buried his talent. He doesn't use the money to make an income. Ephesians 4.28 says you should no longer steal but work with your own hands, doing willing work, doing good work, doing honest work, that you may have something to share with anyone in need. But you're not helping anyone because you don't even help yourself. You don't even have an income. How can you help others? You're disobedient to God's word. You care only about yourself. Indirectly, you're stealing. You're stealing from people who really have need. People who can't work. Because now people have to help you where they could have helped the person who's really in need. You're not in need. You're just lazy. And you're also stealing from the person who worked really hard for his or her salary and now they have to help you and use their salary and spend their salary on you instead of helping their own families and help those who are really needy. And perhaps even, I won't be surprised for a lazy person, eventually you're going to commit fraud. You're going to openly steal to get money. 
And then people who are lazy, they lie. They tell lies. They tell lies to convince you they're not lazy. They're really struggling. People who are lazy, they don't care for their families. They're frankly disobedient. 1 Timothy 5 verse 8. Blatantly disobedient. Where it says if you don't take care of your family, the members of your family, and especially of your, your household, you have denied the faith and you're worse than an unbeliever. Now that's not talking about someone who's lost his job and he's really looking for another job and he's working hard to find another job. That's talking about someone who's lazy. They're lazy. So they're worse than unbelievers. Because even unbelievers care for their families. And then you're sinning against your children because you're setting a very bad example. And it's very possible and very probable that your children will follow your example and be lazy too. So let the sluggard repent of his laziness, repent of his sloth, and also repent of all the other sins that flow from his laziness. Share with a Christian friend Say, I am struggling, I am tempted to be lazy. And especially find a Christian friend that works really hard, but he's not a workaholic, but he works really hard. A friend who will pray for you. A friend who will rebuke you. A friend who will keep you accountable. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 speaks of those people who are idle. Admonish the idle. A person who will rebuke you. It's like oil on your head. Better have a friend rebuke you than an enemy kiss you. And then also avoid, avoid lazy friends. Because you don't want their bad example just to rub off on you and you just fall back into that sin. Avoid these kinds of friends. And then a bit of exercise. It's not bad. I didn't exercise for a long time. Sitting in front of a computer studying all the time. And then doing counseling and visitations. But uh, for the past two weeks, it's actually been very helpful. Taking a jog every morning, my son and I and my, my second daughter, second oldest daughter. Uh, so a bit of exercise will do good. It'll help you just get blood through your brain. Uh, and then also concerning eating, not too little because you need energy and not too much. Because too much will make your body sluggish and lazy. But that's not the most important. Why not? Because laziness is not, it's not a problem of the body, first of all. It's a problem of the soul. It's a spiritual problem. So you have to have a healthy relationship with the Lord. So first of all, of course, you need to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and call upon Him for mercy and call upon Him to open your heart and show you the truth. But then once you've done that, to walk with the Lord day by day. Day by day, walking with the Lord, a continual and daily confession of sin, daily time of prayer, daily time in the Word, reading the Scriptures, memorizing Scripture, meditating on Scripture, studying the Scriptures, hearing the preaching of the Word uh, with other believers also on the Lord's Day and Bible studies, and then obeying the Word of God, obeying what you learn in the Bible, and fellowshipping with other believers and taking the Lord's table, Confessing your sin, remembering the death of Jesus for your sins when you eat the bread and drink the wine, doing good works, giving yourself to good works, serving other believers, using your gifts, praising the Lord, giving thanks, consecrating yourself to God. And if you keep on doing that, slowly but surely, you'll see how the Holy Spirit changes you from a lazy person 
into a hard-working person, just like he changes a caterpillar into a colorful butterfly. Let us pray. Our Father, we ask because you are faithful. You hear the prayers of your children and all of us to a lesser or greater degree we need help and in different areas some are tempted by laziness others are tempted by pride others are tempted by anxiety others are tempted by lust others are tempted by anger we need the grace of the Spirit the help of the Spirit to be obedient children of God not merely to put off laziness but to put on hard work Amen.